So after that, it was always kind of interesting. We would get together once in a while and also do the process. I would work with her a little bit more. But she started doing it on her own. And every once in a while, she'd go, she'd say at breakfast or whatever, she'd go, well, I untied another bow today. And I knew what she meant. <laughs> and she just got lighter and lighter and lighter. And she never really understood the whole process of what was going on as far as the action of, of true focus of meditation and active meditation of going inside and connecting back into your own soul. She never asked about it. And so I never went into a discussion with her because I didn't want to impose anything on her. I wanted her to move and, and uh, wake up freely into this process. But she did get a lot freer over the next few years as she went on in doing this action. And then we stopped talking about it. I guess maybe three or four years after we first started doing that, it just sort of kind of died down. And things went on in my life, things went on in her life, the family life. And she started getting a little bit more dark again, a little bit more serious and not sharing as much. Until one day she called me on the phone because I wasn't living at home. And she said, you've got to get over here. And I go, what? What's wrong? I thought, because my father had, had had some serious illness not too, you know, too far from that time. And we'd had to take him in, in an ambulance to the hospital and all. So I thought, uh-oh, something's up again. And she said, nope, I, I need to talk to myself. Get over here. <laughs> so I got over there and we began this process again. And the energy that she had first broken free of had come back upon her. And was starting to take hold in her again. And she finally realized that she was going back into this darkness, that she was letting something take over once again. And she didn't like it when she realized it. And so she began the process. We talked afterward. The bow got untied, so everything was fine. And she said, you know, I've realized something today. And that is, just because you untie the bow doesn't mean that it can't retie itself again. She said, I've got to do this all the time, don't I? I said, yes, Mom, it's really a daily practice. It's every day you sit down, you close your eyes, you go inside, you hold the loving, you look to see where the light is not, if you can see that, or where the loving is not, and you go there. And you begin to do that which you have to do, which is to confront the darkness, look into the eyes of the fear or the disgust or whatever is there, look into the eyes if they're there, look into the darkness, go in there and love it, go in there and disturb it, go in there and get it stirred up so it has to share itself with you so that you can begin to break it free. Do that every day, don't ever stop. And she said from that point on, she did that every day, every day. Now, she would do it 15 minutes a day. That was pretty much her average. But she did it every day. She did it every day before she went to work. And I could see the difference in her. As she began to move further and further into it, she began to be much more peaceful. 
when I was growing up, my mother was the greatest warrior on the planet. I don't think there was a better one. And she, one of the things she taught me that I had to break free of inside was how to worry. And I watched my mother slowly change in so many ways. And one of the things that changed in her was she found a sense of peace beyond the worry. And when the worry would go up and start stirring, she would connect back into the peace and let the peace lift her above the worry so that the worry wouldn't disturb her and wouldn't carry her and she wouldn't get caught up in the flow and just go with the worry. She found a reference point that she could go to at any time, and that for her was peace. She had found that in one of her processes inwardly of working free of some emotional things that had happened to her when she was a teenager. And this teacher and this student, she said, buried her peace and hid it from her. Really what had happened is that she took on a truth that they told her and believed it for herself because they said, this is what you're doing, this is what you're wrong about, or whatever, and let that bury her peace. When she finally uncovered it and had the reference for that peace, that was her gift to herself. Because any time she found a disturbance, a concern, a fear inside of herself or in the world, all she had to do was close her eyes for a moment, look to that place where she knew peace resided in her consciousness, connect back into it, and she was still. She was quiet. She was fine. And it was very interesting. I saw it in a very dynamic, in a very physical demonstration one time. Uh, my father had gone to the hospital and had been diagnosed with severe emphysema. I was in the hospital, he was very sick in intensive care and all that for six weeks. Um, with the diagnosis came the announcement, no more cigarettes, period, no more. You can't have another one. When you leave this hospital, you do not pick them back up. And the doctor turned to my mother and said, and you cannot smoke anymore either, period. Not smoke around him, you cannot smoke, period. Because if he smells it on you, he will want it. You've got to stop too for him. We left and my mom said, well, I guess I'm not going to be smoking anymore. And then she took out her cigarettes and lit up the cigarette. <laughs> and I went, mom, I thought you said you weren't going to smoke anymore. She said, no, the day that dad comes home, I will put him away and I will not smoke. And I said, mom, do you really think you can do it that easily? And she said, son, I can do whatever I want. And I said, all right, you know, I'll trust you. You, you seem to know what you, you're talking about. But I didn't know that she really could do it. I mean, she had been smoking for 50 years, 40 years, as had my dad. So the day came that we were going to go pick up my dad at the hospital. And we collected all the cigarettes out of the house. We threw them in the trash can, took the trash can out to be picked up. My mom picked out her cigarettes out of her purse. She lit a cigarette and smoked it. I said, Mom, how are you going to give them up? 
I mean, here you are smoking on the way to go get dad. She said, don't worry about it. It's going to be okay. She went back in. She changed her clothes. She came back out, and we went to get my father. We picked him up. We came home, and she never had a cigarette again. Weeks later, I said, Mom, are you cheating? Are you smoking at work? What are you doing? How are you doing this? She said, don't you know how I do this? You taught it to me. You showed it to me. But I said, well, then you tell me what I told you. <laughs> you told me, tell me what I showed you because I don't know what you're talking about. How are you doing this? She said, it's that place of peace. Anytime the craving comes in, I just close my eyes and I go to my peace. And it's gone. The peace just dismisses it. And I just see the smoke blow away as the peace comes present. The wind comes present and it just blows it away. Well, I knew immediately what she was talking about. The wind of spirit. The wind of grace. The wind of the Holy Spirit. That breath of God that comes in the manifestation of peace was coming forward for her and just dismissing the energy of the smoke, the energy of the cigarette, the energy of the addiction. All she had to do was look to that place of peace where she knew God resided in her. And the Holy Spirit did the rest. The grace moved in action and just dismissed the energy. And I said, Mom, do you know what's really happening here? And she said, Son, I know what's going on. God's in my life. I'm not stupid. <laughs> so that's what walking the inner pathway is all about. That's what the inner kingdom is really all about. It's really going inside and confronting all those places that we don't really like to look at. We don't want to have to deal with. We don't want to have to see, feel, know, hear, taste, whatever. And handling those things and bringing them to a quiet, dismissing them, no. Handling them and bringing them to peace or de-energizing de it so it comes back to neutrality, bringing that energy back into loving so that it can be manifested in a way for your own creative benefit, but not dismissing it and not ignoring it. And so as you sit down and you go into meditation, Realize that the first part of that journey is inward. It is walking the inner kingdom first. That inner kingdom that is inside of us. And we truly are the creator of that inner kingdom. That is our heaven or our hell. And we have created it. And it is for us to take responsibility for our creation. And we create it in all different ways, with our imagination, with that creative imagination, with our emotions and our desires and our needs at that emotional level, and with the mind and all the things we keep telling ourselves to be true, as well as how we live our daily life with our physical body. Are we in action? Or are we in reaction? And are we in judgment with what we do with our physical body, or are we in acceptance and loving with our, our physical body and how it manifests itself in the world? And so it really is going inside and dealing with all these different qualities of ourself to begin to be the true creator and to really truly create a heaven on earth, and that's inside. It isn't in the world, it's inside. 
we create inside. And we've created throughout all these lifetimes that we've lived, not just this one, but many. And so we've carried all those creations into this one now to be looked at, to be lived out, and to be handled. So if you find something inside yourself that you don't like, don't blame anyone. Don't bury it. Don't run away from it. Don't ignore it. But look at it and love it and honor it and talk to it and begin to find out who it is, why it's there, and begin to work your way free of it by starting to state, who am I now? Beyond this energy of hatred or fear or concern or worry or addiction, talk to it and say, but I'm not you. Here's who I am. And even if you don't believe it, say anyway, I am divine. I am a child of God. I am soul. I am divine spirit. I am loving. I am joyful. I am peaceful. I am filled with grace. I am compassionate. I am truthful. I am accepting. I am forgiving. I am in the attitude of gratitude. Just keep talking about all these things that you are. Even if you do not believe it, say it. Because that's how it comes into truth. That's how it comes into manifestation. You have to put things into motion. You have to put things into action and then see what happens. When you speak loving, when you speak peaceful, when you speak grace, when you speak joy, when you speak all that is of the Spirit, you're putting something into action within yourself and in the world around you as you speak it. And that goes into action. It begins a new wave in your consciousness and in your expression. And that wave begins to move throughout your existence. And the nice thing about that energy is that it does not create reaction. It doesn't create reaction within yourself or within the world. Other than in those places that are not in harmony with that energy that has been put into action. So if you are putting loving into action, if you're putting peace into action, and there is something inside of you that is not in harmony with peace or loving, it's going to rear its head and go, oh yeah? You can't do this. I don't like this. Stop it. That's the reaction that you want. Now normally would go, oh no you don't. You want to bury that back down, Jim, because you don't want to feel that. You don't want to see that. You don't want to hear that. But yes, you do. That's what you're trying to bring up. You want that reaction to come up so you can go, oh, okay, so next is you. We're going to work with you now. You know, I love you. I love your reaction just now. That was funny. That was cute. I really think that's adorable. And it'll go, what? I'm not adorable. I'm mean. I'm hatred. I do not like what you're saying right now. And stop loving me. And it will do everything it can to grab a hold of you and to go in, have you go into reaction with it, whatever it is. The fear, the hatred, the anxiety, the need, the greed, the lust, whatever. It'll come up and it'll just shake you. And all you have to do is not go into reaction 
but just stay in that action that first started it into reaction. Because that is what will dissolve it. Whatever creates reaction, that's your key. If it was the loving that created the reaction, that's your key for the dissolution of that energy. If it was peace, if it was joy, if it was laughter, whatever, that will be the key by which you can go in and dissolve that energy. Because it reacted to that which it knows is the element by which it will die, by which it will come to peace and quiet and rest and neutrality and no longer exist in the way it has. And the beautiful thing about all this is, is you find that what you're really doing is you're reclaiming yourself. You're reclaiming your truth. You're reclaiming your identity and wholeness. We have split apart ourselves into so many parts, and we're not even aware of how we've done that or what that feels like or truly looks like. But we have taken out of our wholeness that is our soul, that is our spirit, and we have stored a little bit over here as hatred, a little bit over here as fear, a little bit over here as disbelief, a little bit over here as judgment, a little bit over here as whatever else it would be, until we have finally just dispersed so much of our truth, of our spirit, and all that that is, into all these little pockets of energy in ourselves. And then we ignore it. We don't look at it because we don't want to have to deal with it. But what happens is, as you begin to break those energies free and let them come back to their true nature of loving, of peace, of gratitude that is the soul, that is the reclaiming of your own soul quality back to itself. And your soul begins to be enlivened. And your soul does come awake and alive and becomes expressive and begins to take dominion over all the other elements of self to where the God in you begins to truly create a kingdom of heaven within. Peace begins to dominate. Joy begins to be present. Laughter begins to express itself. Loving moves freely in the giving and receiving with others and with yourself. And you begin to find your life beginning to be transformed. I found that for myself. I've seen it for so many others. And I really, truly witnessed it with my mother. That was such a grace-filled action to be able to witness that. And to have it happen so quick at such an early age, to begin doing that for myself and begin discovering the truth of it for myself and then to have her knock on the door going, are you okay? What are you doing? What are you talking about? <laughs> and have that begin an action with her that really led her eventually into living in her own peace. And this pathway, this inner pathway, this inner awakening does take time. Just as my mother discovered, you don't do it one time and untie the bow and it's all done. There's a lot of little bows, there's a lot of little packages of our soul energy all tied up. They may look really beautiful inside, you don't want to disturb them because, oh gosh, they're so beautiful, let's just leave them where they are. 
But in truth, we want to pick them up, we want to untie the bow, we want to take off the wrapping, we want to open the box, we want to free our soul, in a sense, to allow it to come back into its wholeness, to collect all the parts into the one once again, and to live whole, complete, and holy. And that's what my mother discovered, and in my own way, not in that same symbology, but in my own way, I discovered that for myself as well. This reclaiming of all the parts that I had created through separation now came back and came into wholeness. And it's in the wholeness that we find our truth. It's in the wholeness that we find our divinity. And it's in that wholeness that we begin to truly live in that river of loving that we talk about so often in here that Rumi talked about and so many other mystics and spiritual teachers have shared, which is the audible life stream, which is the grace that is the Holy Spirit. So, in this action, as you go inside, as you go into meditation, be aware that you will be working on the inner kingdom. You will confront these things and let it be okay. Actually rejoice in it. Rejoice in the disturbance because that's the beginning of the awakening. Things have got to change in order for you to be renewed, refreshed, and restored as a spiritual being. Things have got to change. They cannot remain the same and at the same time change. So allow yourself the freedom to go into whatever comes up in your meditation and confront that, love that, and move through it. And eventually you will find that all those disturbances will pretty much be resolved. There'll still be telltale stuff there, but for the most part they will be resolved and you will be able to move above them and handle them in a very different manner than having to go right into them and confront them. Now you will just be able to rise above them. And as you begin to move into that, you will also begin to rise into a new place in your meditation action. And that is, you will find that you have collected so much of your soul essence back here to the seat of the soul, now the second part of the journey can begin. And that is into the outer kingdom of God. And now the soul can begin its return home to its true region, which is soul and the realms of spirit. So realize that it's a step-by-step -step process and it is all joyful, though it's sometimes it doesn't look that way. And I know it for myself and I know it for my mother through her laughter, through her joy, through her processing it all. And, and I know it in, in the lives of others that are also doing this. So, enough said about that. There was something else I wanted to share a little bit about tonight. Yesterday, um, an energy came present on the planet. It comes out once a year, and it's that, that spirit of Christmas, that energy that comes present on the planet. It started moving really present, and and moving in a more dynamic way yesterday. <clears throat> I never know when it's going to happen. Sometimes it's 
even earlier, almost into October or October. Sometimes it's much later in November. Uh, but yesterday, this wave of spirit began to move. This wave of loving began to move on the planet. And I think you'll begin to see more of a, a Christmas dynamic now coming present, maybe in yourself and on the planet. Not necessarily it's going to be about the, the decorations and stores and all. That's, that's just the world. That's the process of making money. But I'm talking about the movement of spirit, where people start coming more together in the Christian community and begin to work more dynamically together towards loving and caring and to assist others and not just themselves. And I believe that you'll begin to see that come about now uh, very dynamically over the next 10, 12 days and then begin to live more of itself into the rest of the Christmas season. That's very interesting because this wave doesn't rise, rise up out of Jerusalem and it doesn't rise out of any place that you would think such as Rome or any place out of the what you would consider the Christian uh, settlements of the Christian era. It's, it's a very interesting process. It flows down, <laughs> this sounds funny, from the North Pole. <laughs> so I think there really is a Santa Claus. <laughs> and he's checking his list. <laughs> I think that's what the energy is. <laughs> it actually comes in energetically uh, and it begins to move. And it is part of the magnetic light. It is the grace of the Holy Spirit moving in the physical creation. And the grace of the Holy Spirit isn't a physical energy, just as our soul is not a physical energy. So the soul needed a physical body to have experience here. It could not experience in the physical creation without a physical manifestation to do it in. And so it is with the Holy Spirit and the action of grace and the action of light and sound. It cannot manifest in the physical realms without some physical element by which to manifest and share itself through and in. And so it uses the magnetic light of this creation to come into and move dynamically in this creation. Well, the earth is magnetic. It has poles to it. And the energy actually comes in on the magnetic polarity that is in the polar systems and it begins to flow around this, the, the earth in this very dynamic magnetic light movement. But in that and on that and around that is this wave of the grace of the Holy Spirit that is pure loving, just moving like a wave of water, just constantly moving around and around the planet. But it's interesting because it is focused on the birth of Jesus, it has a magnetic polarity and a light polarity of the spirit that only, it seems, Christians really have a frequency of response to. Those that really have focused on Jesus, focused on his life, and focused on that dynamic of, of the Christian belief system, they are the ones that feel the movement of this magnetic polarity and really move with it. And it's very interesting that we just finished Ramadan, which is an Islamic tradition. And 
early on in, uh, I guess it was early September, the magnetic light with the grace of the Holy Spirit came in and began a wave of energy having to do with Ramadan. During that same time period, the grace of the Holy Spirit came in on the magnetic light and moved around the polar systems, and it had to do with Yom Kippur. And they each carry a different frequency. Each wave carries a different frequency, and it's only those that are in harmony with that frequency that get caught up in the wave and move with the energy that's in that dynamic. And it's just fun to watch all these different things moving around the planet at once. And to see the energy, and when I say this, I'm out of body looking back and watching this on the planet energetically. And watching people in different regions, even in different families, just the family group. And some will respond and some will not. And some will all light up together. And, and it's interesting. I, I've actually witnessed, I think, families where... There are those that are Islamic and those that are Jewish and those that are whatever else going on. And some respond to one wave going around and some respond to another. It's different colors, it's different frequencies, it's different dynamic of how people respond and wake up and move with it. So this Christian energy, this Christ energy, this birth of Jesus energy just started really moving dynamically on the polar systems yesterday. And so if you do begin to feel that stir inside of you, just be aware that that is the grace of the Holy Spirit moving on this magnetic light to bring you more present into the flow of loving. Participate with it. Move with it. See where it wants to take you. And be in the loving with it. And let the loving live in you and through you as it begins to become more dynamic. And it will. It will. It always does. It moves closer and closer. It, it builds and builds. And really, it's, it's almost at its height at Thanksgiving. And then it winds down a little bit, and then it rises back up like another wave. When we lived in Hawaii, I, I would sit on the beach, and I would watch the waves come in, and they would come in, and, and then they'd start to go back out. And then a bigger part of the waves would come in and go back out, and then the big wave would come in, and then it would all go back out, and then it would be real quiet for a little while, and then they'd start coming in again like that. And that's kind of how this energy moves. It moves in harmony with the energies of the physical nature. So be aware of that dynamic. It's not just one big wave and it's over. And it's not one big wave and one big wave and one big wave after another. It does have that pulsation of the waves of the tides. So... Pay attention to that movement. It's, it's a lot of fun when you begin to be sensitive to it and can follow it and move with it. And it's a very dynamic energy. It's very dynamic in many ways. And one way I would offer maybe a little warning, <clears throat> it can stir your generosity. <coughs> it can stir your generosity to the point that you start giving till it hurts. Giving to where you're giving where it's hurting you. You're giving more than you can afford to give. Thinking, oh, I'm doing, I'm doing what Jesus wants me to do. I'm doing the loving. I'm doing Christmas. I'm doing the Christian thing, however it might manifest. So if you feel that stir of generosity, 
be generous in other ways than just giving your money or going out and buying a bunch of gifts to put under the tree to give somebody. Be generous with yourself. Be with people. Listen. Share. Talk. Do what you can to assist others that truly need assistance, however that might look. Be generous in that way. That's true generosity. Giving your money, giving your gifts is not the greatest generosity. It may feel like it because maybe you haven't learned or understood how to be generous in other ways. If you haven't, experiment and find out how to do that. Maybe this year, don't give a gift. Don't send out cards. Be generous in other ways. Call people and wish them a Merry Christmas. Drive by and stop and just go up and say, Hi, I just wanted to say Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, I hope it's a good one, and leave. I learned this from a man who was a house painter in San Antonio. Uh, my father sold house paint for Sherwin-Williams and then a couple of other companies in San Antonio. And I used to go down on Saturdays and you know, be there and I'd help mix paint and just whatever, just for fun. It was fun for me. And uh, they'd all come in and they loved to have their beer and they would come in and my dad would pull the beer out and they'd all start drinking and talking at the end of the day. And there was this one and uh, he was funny. He was a lot of fun to be with. I always liked it when he came in. He didn't come in often, but he, when he did, I really enjoyed his company and his laughter. And I, I wasn't allowed to stay for very long because the jokes would get dirtier and dirtier. And my dad would go, shh, my son's here. And finally they'd all look at him and look at me and look at him. And my dad would go, okay, you go on back out front now. And I, I knew that we're going to get down to the dirty stories. <laughs> so this, this man, after a while, he would come out to see what I was doing and he would sit and talk. And and uh, it, was, it, was, it was quite interesting to, to listen to him. And he used to talk to me about generosity and giving to, to others. And he would ask me, so how are you generous? How do you, how do, you do generosity? And I never thought about it. I mean, you know, I was 12, 13, 14 years old. And, you know, in your teens, you're not thinking about generosity. <laughs> Unless they want to be generous to me and give me more uh, uh, money. To, to live with. But um, so we would begin to talk and I'd ask him, well, what do you mean by generosity and how do you do generosity? What does that look like? And so one Christmas, he called my dad and said, can your son go with me? I want to show him something. And my father thought, this is kind of strange, you know, but he, my dad asked me and I said, oh yeah, I was all excited. I wanted to see what he wanted to show me. So he came by and he picked me up and <clears throat> we drove back to his house and he went inside and kept me in the car, and he came back out, all dressed as Santa Claus. And it was like, oh, boy, what's going on? So we get in the car, and we were driving, and he goes, I just want you to see how generosity looks. This is how I do generosity at Christmas. And so we drove up to a house, and he got out, and he walked up, and he rang the doorbell, and it was like 6 o'clock at night, and I guess people were at dinner or whatever, and uh, uh, I don't remember if it was the man or the, uh, the father or mother or whoever came to the door, but one of them came to the door and he went, ho, 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 Merry Christmas. I just came by to give you an early Christmas. I'll be back at Christmas Eve. 
don't worry, I've got all the toys packed, and all the kids now are running out. Like they heard this, and, and, and he just carries on with them and has a good time. And I'm sure the parents knew who it was, I, don't, I, I would think. I would hope. <laughs> Police never came anyway. <laughs> Maybe they thought it was Santa Claus. <laughs> and, um, and he'd get back in the car and we'd drive off. And he'd go to another house somewhere and he'd go up and do the same thing. And he did this several dozen times. We were out for three and a half, four hours just doing this until 10 o'clock. And... He drove me back home, and he went up to the doorbell, rang the doorbell, and he told me to stay in the car. And I'm going, but I live here. <laughs> you know, he says, no, I want to surprise your parents first. And so he rang the doorbell and, you know, ho, 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 and the whole thing. And, and, um, and so they were all laughing and talking. And so then I came on up, and, and that's how I learned about generosity. And... I really learned it's in the action of giving in that way, of freely giving of yourself, your loving, your joy. That, and I, I could see that he really was caught up in that wave of this movement of loving that is the Holy Spirit. So before you buy Christmas cards, before you buy gifts, before you do anything other than come and buy toys with the money that's been given to support the children in need, Think about how you could do generosity a little bit differently. <clears throat> One time I made all my gifts by hand. I, I just made gifts and uh, gave them out to people, all handmade. And they weren't the best gifts, but they were cute, they were fun, and they were something for myself. And, um, and that felt really good. It was much better than just buying something. So try that for something different this year and see what might happen. All right, I guess that's it. So thank you all very much, and I will see you next. We'll see you next Tuesday.